And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Visions. There will be an old man, Sith, kicks the crap out of a child, a cute rabbit girl fights for her family, and is this last one actually kind of a hopeful ending? We're talking about Star Wars Visions, The Elder, Lapinocho, and Akakiri this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. I'm doing all right. My uh, my fall allergies are kicking my ass. I'm a little sniffly this week. Definitely have the going on. No, I, I I gotta take I gotta I gotta call you a little bit on 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 that in, in, intro. Uh, Actually, like I think a lot of these kind of had a. Ho- I mean, Star Wars usually is a- about hopeful endings. You know, I mean, Ak- <clears throat> I, you know, and I'll talk about it because it's, it's one of my it's my major note of Akakiri. When you first watch Akakiri, you're like, "Wow, that's a bummer of an ending." But the more I thought about it, I was like, "No, this is better than Tross." And like this pulled off what Ray and Ben and Padme and Anakin should have done. <laughs> like this, this is better than both of those. A much happier ending. So, I'll definitely talk about that. So, you had a good week? Yeah, not bad, not bad. I had a pretty good week. I, I was actually on um, our friend Charles' show over the weekend, um, Gold Squadron Gaze, and Charles was our, our, our guest. Our show with final. him is coming out tonight as we're recording this. It's it already is. out by the time you're listening. But I'm it is, it that is. One out at, dropping that one at midnight tonight. That was a fun show. That was a fun show. And uh, we were talking about uh, the queer characters of the High Republic, and we had on Chris from, I believe, uh, Dark Side Divas. And it was funny because Charles kept going, Hope and Chris, not that one. Because <laughs> you're Chris, too. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yes, from, uh, from Dark Side Divas. And he was really nice. It was nice to me because. Uh, Chris Lawson was someone that I. When that ha- when that happens, you can just refer to me as STFU, Chris. I did tell them about the shut the fuck up Chris rule, and that the other Chris was like, "You can never tell my co-podcaster that ever." <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that rule. No, you're like, I don't. I don't. No, you cannot tell her about that <laughs> because she's she a will traitor to me. all Chris's. <laughs> nah, but I had a really good time on Gold Squadron Gaze, and I just, uh, it, it's released today as of this recording, um, I sat down with uh, my fellow Geeky Waffles over on the Space Waffles podcast, and I was with Arzu, Candice, and Norhal, and we were talking about the holiday special, and I have a much different reaction to it, man, like, I, I actually really love, like, non-ironically love it. So, like, it was fun to, like, revisit the holiday special again. So, I have been a busy bee. I've recorded three podcasts over the weekend. <laughs> so, that might be part of the reason. All at once, you bit. don't have to edit, too, which is Isn't it the great? greatest bonus of all. I know. It was so good. That might be why I'm a little bit, like, because my voice was shot by the time I got to Sunday. <laughs> so... 
I don't want visions to end, Chris. Well, I, I like visions. You're just gonna have to face reality, Hope. Wait till season, the inevitable season two. I know. Part of me wishes we did like shorter episodes and did all nine of them separately just to play in Vision's world longer, but <laughs> no. <sighs> well, I guess we, yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't have been enabled to enact our uh, holiday plans, our grand master plan. I know it just it fell perfectly. We were able to slide in the three visions and then do our commentaries and start Mando in the in the yeah. new year. Ugh. Well, I everybody guess... loves those new years. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's a new year. What could yeah. it, what new what new exciting pleasures could it bring us? I know. <laughs> Ugh. Well, I guess I should give a friendly reminder that, you know, Star Wars Visions is an anthology series that debuted on Disney Plus and aired on September 22nd, 2021. Executive producers were Jackie Lopez, James Rao, J- uh, Josh Rhymes, and Justin Leach, uh, Justin Leach, and along with Japanese producer Kanako Shirasaki. <sighs> and then, of course, we'll do all the extra background information when we get there. But, oh, well, you know, if we're about to start commentaries, you know what that means. Life Day is coming up. Oh. Hi, Yoda. Oh, someone say Life Day? Yeah, Life Day's coming up. We're only a few weeks away. Happy Life Day, Yoda. Yeah. Yoda yep. likes Life Day. Mm. Doesn't like Life Day or likes Life Day? Oh, it's good, yes. Oh, I thought you were about to go like Scrooge Yoda on me. Uh, uh, that Jiminy Cricket Crockett, Jim, James, what's the guy's name? Davy Cr- Crockett? No. Yoda knows not what you speak of. <laughs> Who's the guy that has... Cratchit! Bob Cratchit! That's who I'm trying to okay. Davy Crockett. <laughs> oh, anyway, hi, Yoda. Hi. I have a question for you. Okay, a Wait. question for Yoda, yes. That's okay, Hope's very confused, too, apparently. <laughs> So, Yoda, as I said, Life Day is coming up, and I got to thinking, what are some of your favorite Life Day traditions? Mm, like to climb the Wookiee, yes. Climb a Wookiee for good luck, yes. Oh. Favorite part is when they put Yoda on, on top of the tree, yes. Mm. Oh, like a little baby Grogu. Get him on there real good, yes. Snug as bug in a space rug. Are they going to replace you with baby Grogu in the manger this year? Throw away the tree when you're done, though. Mm. I, don't know if you, I don't know if you heard my question. No, a question for Yoda? Another question? Yeah, yeah, because you've always been so little to fit in the manger, but now Grogu's here. Are they going to put baby Grogu in the manger? Space manger. No, Yoda had a case of space manger once, but it had special soap to fix it. Well, I'm glad that it's, I'm glad it sounds like you got over your hatred of Baby Yoda taking over your place. That's mm-hmm. nice of you. Grogu, not Baby Yoda. Yoda is Baby Yoda. No, no, he's Baby Yoda. Yoda was Baby Yoda. He is Baby Yoda. But not Grogu. He's Baby Yoda. If he's Baby Yoda, then who's this? 
You're an old man, Yoda. Uh, That's why they use him in the manger now, not you. No time travel in Star Wars. No time travel in Star Wars. <gasps> Are they both Yoda's? <laughs> no. No time travel in Star Wars. Yoda does not dress up as woman to time travel. That's a lie. Bye. <laughs> uh, I, I was just in here going, I think we're learning some things about Yoda, and I don't know if we're going to get an answer to it. I don't know if they're good. Like what? I don't know if they're good things or... Oh, good things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know either, so. Are you ready to talk about our final three episodes of Visions? We'll be okay. It'll be all right. I know, I know. They're good episodes, too. Yeah, good episodes. This is another one of my favorites, actually. Like, two of these are my top four, so. Um... You were supposed to rank them this week, Chris. All of yeah, them. Yeah, no, no. I'm just checking. I've got, yeah, yeah. I've got two of these. I've got two of these in my top four, also. Actually, I think all three of these are in my top five. So yeah. we're in like my strong part of my list, actually. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I don't have that either. I don't. Nope. I didn't. I, I don't hit that bar. But yeah, yeah. Two of these are in my top four. Well, you ready to start with the elder? Interesting. Yes. <clears throat> the Elder was produced by Studio Trigger, who also did the twins, and they're known for Kill a Kill and Promare. The writer and director was Masahiko Otsuka, and the English and the English cast is Shira Reboots, Jordan Fisher as Dan Gavash. I had to laugh so hard at that because Jordan Fisher voices Seahawk, who is the exact opposite character as Dan Gavash. And I just had this like moment of just like, please let Dan break out into sea shanties and I will be a happy camper. I just I had like a good laugh of this week over the weekend. It was fine. Uh, it was also Stranger Things, David Harbour as Tajin Crosser, and legendary James Hong voices the old man Sith. The Elder is set, quote-unquote, sometime before The Phantom Menace. Director Otsuka actually discusses the difference between the twins and the Elder in the behind-the-scenes featurette. The twins is what their studio is known for with movies like Promare. So they wanted to do The Elder to show a different aspect of what Studio Trigger could do. They discussed that one of the fundamental stories of Star Wars is the master and student story of knowledge being passed down, starting with Obi-Wan and Luke in A New Hope. It's why they opened the short with Dan and Tajin just talking to each other to strongly establish that relationship. Otsuka also pulled from his own experiences, too. He was about Dan's age, learning from animation masters when he began his career. But now he is the Tajin of the next generation. It gave him great drive to tell the story from those two different perspectives. There was one really cute moment in the behind the scenes featurette where they showed James Hong in studio recording for the old man Sith. He's 92 and having the best time doing it. And at the end, he holds up his hands and yells, no applause, please just throw money at me. <laughs> There's also a really cute moment where they showed Dan's voice actor, Jordan Fisher, recording his lines and his reaction to seeing Dan's lightsaber for the first time. And he just went, oh, my God, it's blue. <laughs> and he looked at the camera. And he was like, I didn't know what color it was. 
So he was just really delighted to be part of Star Wars. And finally, this was director Osuka's last film that he directed. He said that he started filmmaking with an 8mm camera, making a puppet show inspired by Star Wars. And now, his last film is making Star Wars, which just felt right for him in full circle. Though he did joke that he gave, if he gave, though he did joke that if they gave him another Star Wars, he would absolutely come out of retirement for it. <laughs> joking, not joking. No, he was like, I will come out of retirement for it. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, what's the summary of the order? So uh, Dan is this cute little good boy TM Padawan, and he's with Tajin, and they're all just like, yeah, let's go to the Outer Rim, and they re- arrive on a place called Habo, because Tajin's like, I since the disturbance, of course. And they get there, and Dan's like, hi, kids, I'm friendly, and the kids are like, hi, you are, let's be friends. And he's like, y'all, yeah. So he goes into the mountains, and he's like, oh, no, a dead creature. And he's like, master, I found a dead creature. And Tajin's like, stay away from it. And then he's like, Master, there's an old man here. And Tajin's like, I'll definitely stay away from that, please. And the old man's like, oh my god, I can fight you. Pew pew. Or I guess whoosh whoosh, because they're lightsabers. And and Dan's just like, ah, I got hit. And Tajin's like, Dan, no. He runs up to the mountains. And the old man is just like, ah, I'm here to fight you. And Tajin doesn't, like, says nothing. And then he kills the old man with the assist of Dan. And then they have a really nice night. The end. <laughs> Uh, so what, what, uh, this is, uh, this is one, uh, one of my favorites, so I have a bajillion notes, so maybe you should go first. <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll hit a few of the same things. This is just, I mean, this is just basically tonally, visually the opposite of twins. I know. And I, it's actually, much more to my liking than, than That's twins. actually what I like about it, though, because it shows Trigger's range. They could do something that's melodramatic, off-the-walls, bunkered, crazy like the twins, or they can just do a super traditional Star Wars story. So I actually think it's cool that they're the complete opposite sides of each other, because that shows the range of the studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I also have in quotes Dan because I just think it's really funny that there's a Je- Dan the Jedi. I Although mean, Dan is a, a perfect Dan is a perfect Star Wars name. They love those it's... three three letter you know one syllable names, and it's more like it's probably more like Don you know or whatever. No, it's Dan. It's just, yeah, I know, but it's just like, but it's it's funny. It's just like Bill, you know, Bill the Jedi, Bill the Padawan. Come on. Yeah, yeah, but Luke. Luke is vaguely like biblical, and it sa- it it doesn't sound ju- you know. Dan is like short. Well, Dan is short for Daniel, which is kind of biblical, but da- but it's Dan. You know, it's totally like the guy next to you in math class. It's like Dan. Um, my my stepfather's name is Dan, so the first time I heard that, I was like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> I did have a moment where I was like, next time I'm in Florida, I'm showing this to Dan just so he can be like, ha! Jedi named after me. Um, the, 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 the beginning of this was, was, uh, felt very episode one, very beginning of episode one with Anakin and Obi-Wan on the way to the, you know, to, to. Being Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan? Or Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, yes. And, uh, and then when they got down to the village, it reminded me a little bit of the Mando episode with the, with the, uh, ATST in the, in the village. A little bit with the kids and stuff. Oh, yeah. And just as a side note, it's a little sketchy of Dan to use kids as his guide. 
to where there's potentially like he's gonna go get in a Jedi fight with a Sith. Hey, I'll use these little kids as my guides. Well, they did. I, I did like they established that like the people of Habo are super shy, so like those are the only people he has a relationship with. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was that wasn't even a quibble. That was just like, oh, good, nice, Dan. Use use. At least he sent them away before he went to go look at the like dead creature. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, and I love how they I love how they reveal the the Sith or whatever he yeah. is. You know, he's just he's not there, and then he's he's just wait. He just lays out some bait, and then he's just there. Yeah. And, uh, um. It's very zen. I like it. I love that Sith character because mm-hmm. he's he's just an old bastard. He's he knows he's old and like he just wants to die an honorable death. He just wants I... to he wants to go out. He wants to go out fighting you, you know Jedi and he doesn't want like he doesn't even want to kill Dan because that's just would be like Dan's too weak for him to you'd be like, oh, I'm going to the afterlife after killing this guy now. I'll just maybe I'll just nick him and maybe he'll turn to the dark side or something. Oh no, he's just like I'm just gonna nick him and then drag his ass over here. So his master will come. Right, but he could have he could have just as well. He, I mean, it probably would have it probably would have fucked up the Jedi even more to have killed Dan and like thrown the Jedi off maybe a little bit or made him have to like control himself a little bit more and control his feelings more. But like, even though he was kind of a Qui Gon-y kind of stoic, stoic Jedi, but uh, what I love, I love the 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 just like there's a lot of exposition in this this episode, or you know, in the in the in the beginning, and I love it. I love the I love just two you know a jedi and a padawan just having a discussion you know about what's yeah. going on in the force yeah, and kind stuff of, kind of joking around a little bit where he's just like it's, i'm so glad you're my master he's like oh thanks i was being sarcastic it's oh. the same sort of stuff you saw in the prequels except it's it's better written dialogue basically <laughs> and uh but i love that the the sith guy is just he's not really a sith it's almost like he's it's it's uh, he's just sort of like yeah the Sith lost their way. It's almost like he. I have came a note to, about that actually. I'm reading actually... a lot into it. I'm reading a lot into it, but that's how they you know they leave you a lot of leeway to read into it. But I see this guy almost as if he was like, why are the Sith trying to take over the galaxy? Who f- who fucking cares? You know, why, you have to me. do you know you have to do politics and doodly doodly manipulating everything on in 20 year plans why not just be an evil sith that goes out looking for jedi to kill because he actually are... reminds me in a lot of ways of maul especially that one line that maul has yeah. in rebels of i'm just maul no longer darth yeah yeah and this this guy's just like i'm just gonna go out and be evil for this you know, evil for the sake of not even evil for the sake of evil, but a Sith for the sake of being a Sith. So I'm just going to I'm just going to hunt Jedi and try to kill them just for just to be a, a Sith. You know, it's not I like how you said just galaxy. to be an evil bastard. <laughs> yeah, basically just to be just to be an evil bastard. And and like and 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 I'm just going to keep and and basically I just keep doing that until I get old and somebody's stronger than me. 
and and why should it be another Sith that takes me out? You know, it should it should be a Jedi. You know, I should go out fighting my foes instead of having a, another Sith coming to stab me in the back. So I I sort of like that. He was like a a, a purist, you know, or, or sort of trying to get to the more essential <laughs> evil of. Did you did you watch this one um in the subtitles too? Yes. I would suggest trying to find this one um in the English dub because James Wong is fantastic. The, I'll watch them all in the English dub, but just I just figured since I started them, since I watched them the first time uh-huh. with the subtitles, uh, that I would might as well. Although yeah. it probably would have been a good, it would wouldn't have been a bad idea to. James Hong is fantastic as the Sith old man. Like he just has that like gravelly, just like a Jedi. <laughs> like he just has that like kind of like ah. That, like, does only he, he can does do. he does he speak Japanese? Maybe he did the voice in the. Yeah, no, that's you know, Give me two seconds to look it up. The Elder, pull me up the Japanese voice cast. He did not do the uh, Japanese voice. It was Kenichi Ogata. My only other note for this is great music again. As a matter of fact, this might be my favorite music in, in all the nine episodes. Because it's it's very Star Wars and it's also very traditional instruments. And even when the traditional instruments are doing their things, they're sort of doing John Williamsy things. It's 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 a great melding of the two. I, I really like the music in this a lot. Mm-hmm. And now you get to actually hear the music of visions as you know now since we're in the third episode but i'm very excited <laughs> i'm I, this week i start i i actually edit the first visions one and i'm so happy after two seasons of rebels of not having or rebels of resistance not having any music for it except for the opening and closing credits now i i have been having such a good time like going through all the music on spotify too because I, I mean, I'm doing Nanorama like a crazy person. So like, I just, it's been my like background music for mm-hmm. Nanorama, and I've been having the best time. <laughs> but that's all I got for, for the elder, the elder so, pair. This is another one of my favorites. Um, it's, it's tied as like my like second favorite just under Tatooine Rhapsody. Like I love this piece. This is the one I probably watched the most along with Tatooine Rhapsody. I actually had just watched this like a week and a half ago before we ever started doing this. <laughs> um, though I was watching it more for research purposes. Um, because um, Dan and Tasha are coming into my High Republic fan fiction. So I was watching them and taking notes. <laughs> And that actually is a good kind of lead-in to, like, my first note. I like that this short feels the most tied to canon. Like, I could see Dan and Tajin walking onto Starlight Beacon. Like, I could see them in the High Republic just existing. Or they could exist with, like, Anakin and Ahsoka on a battlefield. Like, they just feel so grounded. I almost, yeah, I almost feel like... This is pre, like pre or around the time of episode one. I think well, this is. They, like, that that was confirmed. Like this is supposedly is taking place before Phantom Menace. Yes, it was in my background notes. Where you oh, know, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, it totally <laughs> feels like it. You know, it totally feels like it. It's it's you know, and 
And uh, if this guy had been like a hundred years younger, he might have been Darth Maul, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, actually, like, he wouldn't have been because he's a free agent. He's not messing around. So yeah, and he would like, have been messing around with no Palpatine plans. And so, like, as I was like, because one of the interesting things about the higher public right now is there's like no presence of the Sith. So when Tashin's like, there hasn't been a Sith in a in like several hundred years. Um, I was like, God, they feel like they could be in the, the High Republic right now. Like they could just be part of that world. I could see them just walking on the Starlight Be- Beacon and hanging out with like Loden and Bell or Vernestra and Stellan or like going to fight with Avar. Like they just feel like they fit into that world. And I think the reason that this one stuck out to me so much is so much of Visions is focused on like Padawans who are in hiding or they've lost their masters or they're not even like full Jedi, like the ninth Jedi, or, or as we see later, like Lop and Ocho, where Lop just is, just is inherited a lightsaber. And this short is the only one that's like, has that very classic master and Padawan story. You know, it's, it's the only one that has that on display. And I like that because it makes it stand out from all the other shorts where they just went for a very classic Star Wars student and teacher story on a journey. And it makes it kind of special because even though it's very much like stuff we've seen before, but compared to the rest of like the Vision shorts, this one stands out because it's like such classic Star Wars, you know? Yeah, Um, it it is. It's 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 a mixture of the like the two cultures, but it doesn't feel like it's taking place in another reality or anything. It just seems, you know, all all the stuff that's that's sort of anime and it just gets absorbed and, you know, fits right in. So it, it doesn't have anything, you know, that might be a little too, you know, yeah. It's it, it it's the most continuity like of all of them, or you know. Yeah, actually, when you when you mentioned that episode of Mando where they go to um, the village and they meet like the like the the widow and her daughter and they they're cruel farmers and stuff. You're right, like that's what that feels like, and it feels like this could be like the next town over, a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. I, I love the little scene of Dan winking at the kids, which is why it's so fascinating that this is also Studio Trigger, where the twins narrated every action that they did. And that scene is silent, and it's all visual storytelling of, yep. like, Dan using his kindness and his ability to connect with others. And it also moves the plot along, because, like, that's how he gets his guides, and then it comes back at the end. And it's all visual. And, and it, he's it's, also not too far away from being a kid himself, too. So exactly, exactly. Um, and I, I just, I really like that scene because it said a lot about Dan. It still worked with the plot, but it also showed like what like a kind and, and intuitive kid he is. Like he could have just like waved or something, but no, he he played a little game with them because he has that intuition of being a kid. Um. <laughs> No, I, I gotta talk about Dan because I, I love this kid. I love this kid so much, and I, and I think as, as this is gonna mean nothing to Chris. Like Dan Tajin reminds me of like a chilled out version of Loden and Bell from the High Republic, and that's I think that's why I connected with them so much because I'm in High Republic hell, and I'm actually writing a Loden and Bell fan fiction over on Ao3. It's called Fire and Thread. Go check it out. Um, and so like 
Dan reminds me of so many other Padawans we had because he has those little touches of like Ahsoka or Anakin when he was a Padawan or Ezra because he just wants to get out and do things. And like there's that moment at the beginning when Tashin's like, I sense a disturbance in the force. And Dan's immediately like, is it darkness? Is it Sith? Can I fight it? I'm ready to fight it, Master. Let me fight it. Yeah, that that made it that made me think this was going to be because and he was just like, oh, you're sort of eager to fight. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a story about the Sith, like tempting his Padawan, maybe. And his Padawan's like a little too quick to to, you know, want to be a lightsaber fighter. And, um, And 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 it was not that at all. And I, I sort of like that. It seemed like it was walking you right towards that, and it didn't even, it, it wasn't at all. Yeah, and but it, it actually kind of reminded me of a lot of the stories that we've already had in Star Wars animation. Because we've had a lot of stories of Padawans, or, or in Kaz's case, being a young soldier, a young spy, trying to prove that they're ready to their mentors, only to fall short from lack of experience. And that's kind of what, that that's exactly what happens to Dan. Like, he was, like, Tajin's like, run away, Dan. And Dan's like, now I'm going to fight this fucker. And he gets his ass kicked. And I liked that because it still felt very much in the realms of animation. Of animation that we've already seen. But it still felt like it was in story, it, its own story. And I I really like Tajin as a master. And I like how subtle it shows how much he cares for Dan. It's not like, um, you know, Obi-Wan screaming, like, we were brothers, Anakin! Um, Tajin's just a really calm force. Like he compliments Dan and like they pick on each other and they tease each other. But two moments like really stick out in my brain that tells how much that Tajin cares for Dan. And one is the moment he senses the old man, he whips around. He's like, Dan, run. You need to run. Please run. Please run away. (laughs) And the other one is when Dan starts to fight the elder. Because Tajin's been so calm the entire time, he moves with purpose, and he has a nice pace to him. And the moment that Dan starts fighting, Tajin just fucking runs. And it's the first time we've seen him move fast, and he is sprinting up that hill trying to get to his Padawan. And I loved that, because it was all in his movement, it wasn't like anything... It, it, it was, was kind of like the Jedi zip, you know, that just like, zing. <laughs> yeah, and it was all just very subtle ways of showing how he cared for Dan. And because like we, we've seen like, you know, Anakin be like really possessed, like possessive of Ahsoka and like really her leaving really messed her up or or and stuff like that. But it was just he, he wasn't like going out of his way to being like, Dan's the best kid ever. But he still very much cared for his Padawan. Yeah, and, no, he was, was very subtle. much like the stoic mentor, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But he had, but he's a stoic, you know. But he knows he. It was, it, it, it was very. It reminded me a lot of like, um, Qui Gon, you know. Or like, there's there was one point where, you know, Dan was joking with him and said something that he's like, I was being sarcastic and he's like, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that, you know? Yeah, yeah. That was his that was his way of, you know, going along with the joke, but it's just like but it's, you know, it's it's sort of stuffy dad version of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um that's actually a nice kind of lead into my other big Tajan note. Um so something I didn't note in the behind the scenes featurette that I wanted to say in one of my notes is they mentioned in the featurette the phrase, 
the one who knows the most speaks the least. And that was very apparent in the duel with Tajin and the Elder. Because Tajin barely says anything the entire time. I think the only time he said thing he says is that technique. Like that's the only thing he says. And the elder does nothing but talk and boast, which is great because it's James Hong and he's amazing in the role. So he just like boasts and talk and stuff like that. And it's a good way of showing their character that Tajin is like very controlled. Like he's in control the entire time. While the elder, you can tell that like each phase of the battle, he's slowly losing more and more. He actually, I shouldn't say slowly. He's quickly losing more and more of his composure. And like he loses one of his lightsabers and he's pissed and he just doesn't lightning and he's more pissed and he's distracted. And so Dan can get in an assist and then he dies. And it's cool because it's only afterward that Tajin was kind of like, wow, if I fought him when I was younger, I probably would have died. <laughs> and But he never showed that in the battle. You know, he just stayed calm and composed and didn't talk. And I just thought that was really cool, a, a really cool way of handling the battle. And also, I like that Dan got in this, this. Like, he just, like, chucked his lightsaber enough to distract him. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of helped. He kind of helped kill the sand. I like, I like the noise that he made when he turned into black dirt, concentrated evil or whatever. Or, or it looked a little like cow pies, too, but he just sort of went, bloop, bloop. <laughs> For reasons was, you don't understand, there's a reason that hurts me very much because of what happens to my baby boy Loden in High Republic. That that hurt me very much to watch. I was like, no, too soon. Everything hurts. Um, but all my other notes are now shallow. Um, I love the design of the Elder. I like that he kind of looks like a demon. Um, and... He, he looks like an old guy that's worked manual labor all his life and he's like short and stout, but he could he like is probably just all muscle, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I actually noted that I like that he looks short too, because he looks very weak and feeble, and then he just smacks down Dan like it's nothing, just like yeah. you're down, kid. He to uh, he toys with him just long enough to be like, Yeah, this guy's not gonna do anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I I was trying to wreck my brain about this, but lightsabers sizzling in the rain. And I might be wrong, but the only time I can ever remember that happening is in the Tartakovsky Clone Wars. There was a wrong? little bit of it in there was there was some snow and splashing water in the in the sequel trilogies. Oh, were were they sizzling when Ray and it, Ben were fighting on the Death Star ruins in the water in the rain? Yes, and they were sizzling oh, okay. in, in Force Awakens too in the snow. Oh yeah, yeah. I forget about all that. Yeah, I'll stick with the Tartakovsky Clone Wars. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll just, put a pin. In, put a pin in Tartakovsky. I'll be bringing him up later. But I just I love seeing lightsaber sizzle in the rain. It's one of my favorite. I love seeing them steam. It's just, it's such a cool effect, and I wish they could use it more in Star Wars. I need more of that. Um, and the only other they probably don't I, want to overdo it, and it's probably a pain in the ass. <laughs> probably, yeah, that's true. I'll never forget the like the one the first time it rained in Clone Wars, and the behind the scenes, Dave Filoni talked about how expensive it was that it was raining in Clone Wars. He's like, that was very expensive that episode. <laughs> so, well, sure you can tell, like, 
I can't remember. We were, we were watching something. I think it was a review of a video game or something that they, it was. I think it was one of the Grand Theft Autos that they'd revamped to re-release. But it had the most, they're like, this is the laziest drain I've ever seen. And it, and it did, it looked cheap. And it was just like, yep, because you got to spend that money if you want that rain to look good. Absolutely. Um, and the only other note I had is I really like the lesson of the episode, which time is the great equalizer for everybody. Yeah. That like the elder, um, what beat him was time. And Tajin was starting to lose his abilities while Dan was still rising in his, but eventually he would fall as well. And I like that. I thought that was a really cool Jedi ending that again, felt very drenched in star Wars. Well, it's, it's, it, but it, it's also like it, it, you could almost like, especially Eastern religions, but almost all like, especially Eastern religions, though, would have like, like Buddhism or something, you would have that whole, you know, like, you know, seasons of a, of a human life and stuff like that and succession and, and stuff like that. So I guess, what, I guess what I should have said is universal themes. It's got some good universal universal themes of of death and generations yeah absolutely and so, life and life. and life so that's and hope that springs eternal but as you were talking i kept um what's that song like there's a season for spring and a season to die or oh, whatever turn 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 i think that's from like a. it is from psalms from, yeah yeah it's from the bible because i I remember that because my mo- my mother always grew up saying, this is the oldest song ever written. And I would stare at her and go, well, that's not, but okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you keep thinking that, Mom, but there are definitely songs that are older than that. Yeah, um, yeah no, your mom doesn't work isn't a museum guide, so I think it's okay. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to take this from her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let her have her, have her fun. See, it's the oldest song she knows. So. The oldest song she knows. That's a good way of putting it. So. And it's a really old song. So It is It is a really old song. So it's like Great. from the Bible. I think It's one of the psalms from the Bible. I do, I do remember that. I just don't remember which psalm. But yeah, that's all I have for the elder. I love it. I love this one. It's so... It, I think yeah, what I, I love too. about it is I, this that... This is my favorite so, one in the whole of the of this, these three for sure. Like it's so... I think because it's so simple. So it's just a straightforward story. But it's so... It's so niche, you know, like, and I think what makes it niche is because it's so close to classic Star Wars that we're used to, which makes it stand out. And the, the characters are fun, you know, they're fun. Yeah, they're no, fun and, group, all three of them. and by the time we hit and like I watched this all, all nine straight through and by the time I hit this one, by the time I hit these last three, they were almost like, like. I. It, it was almost like they put the stuff that strayed the furthest sort of toward the beginning and middle. And and these last three were just sort of very like, just like the, mo- the most like Star Wars continuity, you know. Of, yeah. Of the I, I don't want to say safest, but kind of the safest, you know. Although I think the fir- the very first one is the safest one of all of these. I have but, agree with you because I, I don't I don't agree with Akikiri on with that one, but I feel that with Lapinocho because as we're about to get into Lapinocho, one of my big yeah. notes is all the way all the ways it reminds me of Rebels. Yes, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. I, th- I think we're gonna have some common 
coming that's on that. Yeah, so this this I get that's a really good way of putting it. This one feels like a palate cleanser almost, like the elder does, because it's like we've had all of our weird Star Wars. Here's a nice dose of like classic Star Wars, and now let's finish. It's it was just like the the little like like um palate cleanser that you have before dessert, you know? Agreed. Well, if you don't have anything else for the elder, you ready for Lapinocho? I'm ready. Lapin Ocho is produced by Geno Studios, which which is part of the company Twin Engines, known for A Whisker Away, which is a really good movie, Penguin Highway, and Genocidal Organ. The writer was Sayawaka, and the director was Yuki uh, Igor. I'm going to start that over. The writer was Sayawaka, and the director was Yuki Igarashi. The English voice class, class, English voice class, Cast includes Descendants and a Cat Cat Cart. Wow, I am butchering all these names tonight. Woo-hoo-hoo! The English voice cast includes Descendants and a Cat Cart as Lop, DC Superhero Girls Hiromi Dames as Ocho, Clone Wars's Paul Nakauchi as Yasaburo, and Infinity Train's Kyle McCarley as the Imperial Officer. In the behind-the-scenes shorts, the character design for Lop and Ocho's family of Lapin Ocho's family and their guards was inspired by Yakuza films. And if you don't know, the Yakuza are organized crime syndicates of Japan. I'm noting this because I thought that was very interesting and it comes back in one of my notes. Um, they also talked about how good it was to have a nerd on your team because director Igarashi said that he wanted to create a bunny Star Wars character. So he asked one of the mechanical designers and uh, uh, mechanical designers if there had ever been a rabbit person in Star Wars, and the designer told him oh, all yeah. about. And the designer told him all about the Leppy species and the character Jackson from the EU. So Lop ended up being right at home in this universe because of Jackson and the stories that he laid down first. They also wanted to explore the story of nature versus technology and tradition versus innovation. And finally, a really cool little note, all the backgrounds of Lop and Ocho are hand-painted to feature traditional anime styles, while the characters are all digital, which, blend, which blends together 3D and 2D animation together. Oh, so let's talk Rebels. <laughs> yeah, right. This is another one of my favorites. Like, this is, after, like, my top three is, like, this is, like, my fourth slot. Like, I love this one. I mean, I love all of them for different reasons, but I, I, this is still in my like top half. Like, I, I really enjoy this one. Well, I'm gonna, I'll cover the. Um, pardon me while I shake out some peanuts, shake out my nuts. Um, but um, I'll just take my two surface. Why, like, let you hit the th- more thematic stuff that I'm sure you will about why this reminds you of Rebels. But uh, yeah, because I um, go like point by point. Like, like this is how it's like the Ghost Crew. We got the land between time, that's very rebels, and imperial roadways. Oh I yeah! As- I love the aesthetic of imperial roadways. They're really like kind of bland, but they always look neat. Just so they look like somebody just dropped them from the sky, which they probably did in some way. They probably just flew something over and brrrr, just. I forgot down. how much we used to talk about the highways of Lothal. I absolutely because it was so weird when, when Rebels started. <laughs> but now we've seen them in Solo. We've seen them in The Mandalorian, and now they're just become a visual trope of Star Wars, and I love it. Um, 
what's funny about this is Star Wars is like the perfect place without doing some sort of stylistic mashup show where you can have a basically an anime an anthropomorphic anime bunny person as a character along with humans and everybody else and have it be just you know the portrayal of reality you know have yeah. it fit right it doesn't need any special explanation in the context of Star Wars and it's funny this is the second one uh, last episode we had an episode with um where somebody uh, adopted uh, a little anthropomorphic kitty cat and this time somebody adopted a little anthropomorphic bunny um uh lots of exposition in this one not nearly as as fun as the the first one but it's not bad but this this one's definitely exposition heavy in telling its story and uh maybe not as not as visual storytelling why did and, they uh, adopt a cat last week remember they um I'm thinking. No, you know what? I'm thinking of something totally different. Oh my god! Oh, I was about to say. I was like, I don't remember that in Village Bride, Ninth Jedi, or Tob One. <laughs> no, my brain's muddled. My brain's muddled. That's why. Okay, I was just. I was like, yeah, oh, no, no, like, no, no, no. There a cat? It's mental. I'm, men I'm usually mental too disease. into cats. It's mental erosion. Hope that's all it is. Um, this one kind of has an abrupt end, but at the same time, it's it's kind of another pilot seeming episode you know you know that was actually one of my notes like this one along with the ninth jedi i feel like the two that could be go on to be a series and i think maybe the, this this one so ends with a with a you know with with a boom let's go where we're here's where we're going next you know you know, I, I, I didn't note it, but they actually talked about that in the behind the scenes featurette. So the director was talking about how he wanted to have that open ending so um, because to him, he believes that Locke would eventually find Ocho and bring her home, but he wanted to leave it open for the audience to interpret. So that, that is something that they did talk about. I just gotta say, if I was somebody recruited me to do this project, I would leave myself an open end too, just in case somebody really liked my cartoon and wanted me to make more and more Star Wars. Yeah. So I don't blame any of these. I don't blame any of these for all being pilots. I'm surprised that they all don't end like this. And I would have been very happy if they did. You know, I would have loved. You know, yeah. Every year, make 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 a a, a, a season of nine Star Wars pilots. <laughs> you know, see which ones stick. You know, that's interesting because something I I was thinking about. Like, I would love to see. Because there's already rumors of Vision Season 2 because this did so well. I would love to see, like, a couple of these, like, be revisited. But I still want to see new studios do new things. Like, there are several studios I would love to see their takes on Star Wars. But I wouldn't mind coming back to Lop and Ocho. And I wouldn't mind coming back to the Ninth Jedi and, like, revisiting these characters. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm kind of, like, I would love for, like, going forward to have maybe, like, two or three with, like, and then, like, six new studios with all, like, new things. You know what? They should do it with fans. <laughs> they should just have a contest every year. Make Vote a 20, the... 22 minute Star Wars pilot. That would no, rule, no rules because they'll obviously pick the ones that they have 
you know, in the final levels of competition that you would see on TV. So I just, I don't trust the Star Wars fans enough. (laughs) Yeah, that stuff would never get, if it was too awful or very, you know, sketchy or something, you know, it's Disney and it's Star Wars. So there's only so, so weird or so tasteless or bad. They're going to let it get, but. If you just open it up, yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna have to pick through a lot of stuff to get some really good stuff. But like out of the like ten thousand you get, if you get a hundred really good ones and then pair those down to twenty that you that you drop out there every year, and then you have like a you have a creative team ready to go. Yeah, I you know, I I see what you're saying because I'm definitely like have dreams of like, like one of my fix being like a what of Star Wars kind of universe. But at the same time, like I know how you don't live on Twitter life as I do, and I know how horribly bad that could go really fast. <laughs> but that's on Twitter, yeah. That's on Twitter though. But none of the. I mean, you would you would make your people would make their submissions and send it into Disney. Like, the TFM would be, like, making, like, popularity contests, and if none of theirs were picked, then they would then be review-bombing shit and, like, monetizing their hate of it. Like, I, I've i seen this go a certain way before, and I, 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 and I think so much of it is what I like about Visions is these are all fans. These are made oh, by Oh, no, you don't have the fans vote on them. No. Well, no, but even then, like these are all fans. They're just uh, East a- like East Asian creators that never got a chance to make a Star Wars, and now they are. Right. So they are fan. Like pretty every every single behind the scenes featurette has talked about how like what big fans of Star Wars they are, and how they never thought they would make a Star Wars because you know they were anime creators. <laughs> well, well I don't know. now I that ceiling's been broken. I know. But that's all I've got. So, when it comes to La Panocho, this this one really resonated with me in a lot of ways. Um, I, I have such a blended family myself. Like, all my siblings are either half-siblings or step-siblings. And I love that this is a focus on sisters. Because there are not a lot of sister stories in Star Wars. Like, off the top of my head, all I could think of was Satina, Bo-Katan, and the, the Martez sisters. Yeah, that's about it. That is about it. And so the exploration of sisterhood is such a fun and really touching and personal story for me. Like, Night sisters. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But even... But they're sisters like nuns or sisters. Yeah. um, But, like, the relationship of sisters is really special. Like, I I have several sisters. And my relationships with them are very different than my relationships with my brother or my brother-in-laws. And there's just something uniquely special about sisters. Um, And I love this idea of this, like, kind of blended family. Because when, um, what's his name, Yasaburo? Uh, When the father is talking to Lop of, like, I'm sorry if I ever favored Ocho over you. I've had that conversation with my stepdad. My stepdad has talked to me about like how he tries to like make sure that I'm equal to his blood kids and he doesn't want to favor them, but it can also be hard because you know, like we have these like biological things built into us. So as much as he like wants me to be even, like I'm never going to be even, does that make sense? <laughs> but it doesn't mean that he loves me any less. Um, 
so that that scene where Lop gets her father's lightsaber, even though she's not blood, like that meant a lot to me personally because those moments where my stepdad has like really come through or like has been there for me and supported me, it just really like made me think of my stepdad in a lot of ways. And like you know, he's never going to replace my dad. My dad and my stepdad are two very different people, and I have two very different relationships with them. But it doesn't mean that I don't love my stepdad and he doesn't love me. Um, so, so this really resonated in a lot of ways with me because well, I because I have such a blended family. Now, now that you bring that up, that makes me think, you know, if this wasn't well written, if this was poorly written, it could have really seemed like he was like, oh, yeah, are you going to betray your father? I'll give the lightsaber to your adopted sister. How about yeah. that? Yeah. The it rabbit could have been very petty. It could have been very manipulative, but it, it, the way they pulled it off, it because I didn't even feel like it. That didn't even come to my mind till just now, you know, because of the way that they handled it in there. It was so, you know, sincere. It was very well done. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the only reason why this is not higher on my list is the whole repeat of just like. We're family. I'm your father. You're she's your sister, but I'm your father, and she's the sister, and we're family. <laughs> like they, they really like. It, it, it almost felt not definitely not at the level of the twins, but like it felt a little bit of telly on me instead of like just letting the relationship show stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That that's the only like real gripe I have with this, and why it's not higher on my list. Let's talk about rebels. <laughs> oh my god! Like this. I don't know, because nothing in the behind the scenes or there, anything. There's indicated. a there's a hint of Tam from Rebel or from Resistance in it too. Just a yeah, just a but, little dash of that thrown into. But this screams Rebels to me, and I don't know oh, if yeah. that's on purpose or if it just happens to be a coincidence. I think it's more of a coincidence because, especially, but because like just little things. And I, and I have a list of like the little all the ways they reminded me of Rebels. Um, first of all, you have these massive shots that they do in Rebels and Rogue One. They do this in Rogue One as well. As well. These wide shots of Star Destroyers just hovering above the land. Uh-huh. And it just reminded me of those shots of Lothal. Like, you would see, like, Lothal from the distance, the capital city, with just Star Destroyers just sitting above it. And it reminded me so much of that. And it felt very Season 1 Rebels to me. Like, I kept thinking of the characters of um, of Tua and Callus, where in the supporting material, we know that Tua um, truly believed that she was helping the people of her homeworld with the Empire because the Empire gave Lothal resources so she could then go build houses for the poor. And that reminded me of a lot of ways of Ocho, where Ocho is like, I want to help the people and the Empire has resources for me to help my people. And right. like those characters felt very similar. Well, that that whole thing too, the 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 way the empire was was taking, you know, well we need the empire to help us is was very resistance, but that was sort of getting it from the um, resistance was getting it from the empire, but it may, but the 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 way the empire was like moving moving in on them and stuff, it just felt like the same time period that time period in Rebels where it was like. Mm-hmm. Very season one. The empire well, is, yeah. The empire is just starting to like. If he has, if the empire hasn't shown up in your town, it's gonna show up in your town this year. You know, it's yeah. just starting to get its foothold down and really start to just like have its have like their routine of taking over a planet and and 
their bureaucracy in place. So it just it it, it feels like right when you know pre you know Star Wars pre uh, New Hope. Yeah, very much so. Like um, there was that scene in it was it was season one. It was in Fighter Flight where Zeb and Ezra stole the Tie Fighter and they go out to the Sumar's farm. And there's Lieutenant List going, Mr. Sumar, you need a job. Yeah. And Sumar's like, I'm a farmer. And they burn his farm. They're like, nope, you work in the factory now more. because you don't have a farm. <laughs> and that's what it felt like. Um, it also kind of reminded me of Lost Stars, which I know you haven't read. But the opening of Lost Stars is Sienna and Thane. Their, their planet is completely poor. And so they're very welcoming of the Empire. And so like the Empire's bringing them technology and money. And then uh, Sienna goes back like five years later and her planet's trashed, like absolutely trashed. And there's that shot in Lop and Ocho where you can see the oil just spilling into the ocean yep. and just darkening it. So yeah. Um, and it was kind of the same way. Like at first, Lothal openly welcomed the Empire, and then they started like when they started losing their freedoms and like their their farms are getting destroyed. They start quickly regretting it because we saw that like towards the end of Rebels, the planet was completely completely polluted, and Imperials were everywhere, and there was lockdowns, and it couldn't go anywhere, which is why they all had to wear stupid disguises, <laughs> like Zeb's dumb hat. <laughs> I, I will forever hate all that. All right. Hat. I will forever hate that hat that Zeb wore. Um, because they, 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 there was curfews. They couldn't be on the streets anymore. And of course, the found family trope. Like, it's it's very ghost crew. Where they're, they were just like, oh, get in, Ezra. We're, we're your family now. Mm -hmm. Get in, loser. Hop <laughs> in, loser. I mean, that's so what Ocho does. Ocho sees a bunny girl and she's like, you're my family now. Get in, loser. You're, you belong to us. <laughs> And there's also the moment where Yasuburo got blinded, just like Kanan. He also got oh, blinded. Oh, right, right. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many, like, little Rebels nods in this. And it just felt, like, just drenched in Rebels. And I think that's another reason why I liked this so much. Of those, like, big, just, also, like, those big, just, like, like nature shots with, like, the looming technology coming in. And just, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I find very interesting about this as well is everyone actually wants the same thing. They all want to help their planet. They just don't agree how to do it. Right. And I like that argument of tradition versus innovation because Ocho's, Ocho's not wrong. She's wrong for joining the Empire, but she's not wrong for wanting to help her planet. And she wants the exact same her father thing her father wants, which is to help the people of her planet. <laughs> And I, I think that's what makes the drama of this so interesting because both characters want the same thing. They just don't agree on the details. Um, no, they don't agree on the main. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And either too. <laughs> but I think, and I, and I was trying to think of any other Star Wars example. So please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, okay. But we see this in the real world. But we don't really see it much in Star Wars, which are families that are actually split apart by civil war and they're actively fighting each other. The only other example I could think of was Leia and Ben Solo. I couldn't think of any other thing. Whereas these two families, I were like, we both disagree, so we're going to actively fight each other. Yeah. No. Yeah. I can't think of any. 
but and I thought that was interesting because we've talked about that. We talked about that when we went through resistance, which when we were talking about Tam and Eager, where that's the problem of civil wars, where you have brother versus brother, you know, f- fighting each other. And that's the tragedy of it because you have families split. Um, the only just, family split, other family splits, nobody knew that they were family splits until the very end. So it wasn't the same. They didn't split to go on opposite sides. They just didn't know of each other's existence on the other side. Yeah. Wait, what example? Luke and Vader in Leia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I found out that uh, their father's family was inspired by the Yakuza, I really liked that. Um, because I, I don't get the feeling that they're a Yakuza family, but I can see like the details of it where you have this boss, fa- especially because they call him boss. Um, but actually, if, if it was supposed to be like they were owning like the rich crime family, I kind of like the idea of this crime family fighting the empire if they were crime. Oh, system. sure, but yeah, they would be the best, they would be well equipped to do it, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And and the fact that like we weren't really focusing on the crime part of their life and that they were probably hot he's way high, like the you know high up in 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 it that it you know you don't see and he probably doesn't he make sure that like his daughters don't see much, you know. Yeah, so yeah. We don't, I, I definitely get the feeling that Ocho has seen more than Lop because Lop has a very yes. ideal yeah no um, yeah oh o- o- ocho yeah ocho almost has to because she's gonna she's, she's gonna, yeah yeah she's gonna take his place so she's gonna yeah. have to be ha- she's gonna have to have some dark side to her yeah absolutely um this is one of my two shallow shallowest notes i've ever written in my life <laughs> one is ew the blood eyeliner <laughs> how fucking gross and then ocho wears blood eyeliner for the rest and it's perfect too like, well she, like, at least they her- just sort of le- left it the same like if it was a like real film movie or so it would it have to be like turning black and then cracking, getting all like cracked and stuff it would have been like really gross but i love how perfect she is too she's just like smear smear and she looks like she could go to a fashion shoot yeah. <laughs> it's so gross though um uh, uh, this is my other shallow note. Everybody, unless you're driving, please drive safely. Uh, stop what you're doing and Google Piers, P-I-E-R-S, Piers Pokemon. Because that Imperial officer that stops Ocho and Lop on the bridge looks like a freaking Pokemon gem leader. He looks like the dark type gem leader from Galar and from the Galar region. And I was like, I laughed. I, I can't unsee it. That guy's a Pokemon villain. <laughs> He has the hair of a Pokemon villain. He has the makeup of a yeah. Pokemon villain. And I saw him and I was like, he looks like fucking Piers from the Galar region. It is Piers. That is Piers right there. And go Google it right now because it absolutely is. They could be brothers. <laughs> I will never not see that character as a Pokemon villain. And I cannot take him seriously because I'm just like, I'm waiting for the music. The And he's going to start rocking back and forth and throw out his freaking Zizagoon. And the Zizagoon's going to attack. Like, I can't. I can't take him seriously. He's not a threat. He's a Pokemon villain. Um, <laughs> it's the stupidest note, but, like, that's all I could think of in that scene. <laughs> Such a dumb note. <laughs> um, I love the umbrella. I love, like, the moment I saw the umbrella flying scene in the trailer, 
I immediately fell in love with it. And then I love it in that moment. I wish it was longer. I wish Lop used her umbrella more. There's a few times where she falls and I wish she had her umbrella to catch her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that umbrella. I I just I just fell in love with it in, in the trailer and I never stopped loving it too. And it's such a fast little scene, but I love it. I love it so much. Uh Oh, I forgot about this note. <laughs> it's my, it's a big note and I forgot about it. Um, and my, my only other note is it actually reminded me a lot of Star Wars Resistance. Um, there was a line and it was in one of the last episodes of Resistance we did. Um, I, I think it's the episode Rebuilding the Resistance, but I'm not positive. But Captain Doza says the line, giving up on people is the easy way out. We're better than that. And it really reminded me of this short because it would be so easy for Lop and her father just to cut Ocho out, but they love her. You know, she's still their daughter slash sister. And it's it's a harder path to try and save some someone. And I also want to just go ahead and say some people, you don't, don't need to be saved. Some people are hurt you and they're toxic and that's fine. But more often than not, it's it's the hard path to try to save something. And the fact that they still leave this short with hope that she can be saved. That is a very star Wars theme that no one is really gone. No one's well, her character. Gone. Well, her character is, is also like not past redemption at this point. You know, she's yeah. still got like actual, like good motivations in some ways, you know? Yeah. Cause it goes back again that they do all want the same thing. They want to help their planet. They yeah. just have different ways of doing it. And and I like that. I like that um, that she's not truly gone, that there's still hope for her yet. So, but that's all I have for Lapanocho. Me too. Do you, you have anything else? I do not. All right. So, <clears throat> on to the last one. Let's do it. Akakiri. Akakiri is produced by Science Saru, who is known for their work for Space Dandy, uh, OK, let's, OKKO Let's Go Be Heroes, and the Emmy Award-winning nomination episode of Adventure Time, Food Chain. And if this sounds familiar, it's because Science Saru also produced TOB1 that we discussed last week. The writers were uh, Yuichi Kido, and the director was Yoon Young Choi. The English voice cast is Crazy Rich Asians Henry Golding as Tsubaki, Once Upon a Time's Jamie Chung as Misa, Star Wars Rebels Kian Young as uh, Kamahachi, and the legendary George Takai as Sinshu, and the always amazing and fabulous Lorraine Toussaint as Misako. In planning her film Akakiri, Director Yunyoung Choi noted that the create that creating visuals that combined both the fairy tale style lessons of Star Wars with the advanced technology found this universe uh, found in this universe was particularly important to her. In the behind the scenes featurette, um, Yunyoung Choi wanted to take Star Wars back to its roots by making this a Star Wars homage to Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress. Choi is a huge fan of Kurosawa. And she would use his movies to practice storyboarding when she first started out. She was really inspired by his use of lights and shadows, something that she wanted to bring into Akakiri. They discussed how Akakiri was taking this Western property of Star Wars and bringing it back home to the East. 
It's taking the Eastern influences from George Lucas and grounding them again in their Kurosawa original inspiration. For example, they use the example of R2-D2 and C-3PO, who were inspired by the two comic relief human characters in The Hidden Fortress. In Akikiri, they, they're taking the two comic relief droid roles and making them humans once again. And that's uh, Kian and uh, George Takai's roles in this. Um, Akakiri means red haze, which is, I love that. Akakiri means red haze, which is why over the course of the short, the color red becomes stronger and more prominent as Tsubaki slides towards the Sith. And finally, I thought this was interesting um, because I didn't take it this way, but Wikipedia noted it. Uh, Wikipedia notes that Tsubaki and Masako form a force dyad, which is how Tsubaki can bring Misa back to life. I was interested in hearing from you because I haven't seen The Hidden Fortress, but I know you have. So I, I was I, interested in your thoughts on that. That was my first note is it's got the guys from The Hidden Fortress in it. Uh, although these guys are like, I like these characters a lot too because they are, they are just R2-D2 and C-3PO. Uh, they're, 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 they're like the characters in The Hidden Fortress, but they're their own characters. They've got like this agency to them. Where he's like, why are we dealing with these idiots, you know? And and uh, and they're just like, yeah, we're idiots, and but you need us, you know. We know <laughs> yeah. we know tricks. We don't have we're 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 useless, you know, as far as fighting goes. But you you I, need us. I and like you their know. balance between like you could tell that you could tell that they cared for Misa, but they were also in it for the money. <laughs> they're, they're in it for the money, but the, and the, but they're also they also know what they're doing. Like there's that one time they're singing, and he's just like, "Shh, they're gonna see us," and they they're like, "Oh, it's a to ward off evil." But at the same time, I I I was taking it as they were just like, "Hey, if we were two guy, if this if this caravan was walking through and wanted to look totally normal, mm -hmm. we'd be singing a song because that's what we always do, you know." So they were like almost like not as much drawing attention to themselves but just like blending in <laughs> by being loud and 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 apparently there you know i just thought of what like what, what you used to say about kaz where he's such an idiot nobody would take him seriously as a spy yeah these <laughs> guys these, these guys are using it on purpose yeah these guys yeah. are old so they know how to use it on purpose they know they're goofballs but they've been there forever and they you know I, I I just I I love that aspect of it, and the and this one this one uh, in in addition to I'm and I'm and obviously Tartakovsky is is strongly influenced by Akira Kurosawa too, but uh, this this one is the most Tartakovsky feeling feeling one. I love the the scene in the rain where it just sort of goes into charcoal drawing mm -hmm. mode. That was really neat. And my only other note is this is the old, the origin of the old uh, Palpatine Anakin grift of like, oh, you want to save someone's life, you know? I have a big note about that. I, I'm guessing that's where you're saying the positive thing is because I, I have the same sort of feel of it too because like this is the old Palpatine grift, except Anakin got screwed in the Palpatine grift. And so I'm sorry. If you're, if you're the Sith, if you're if you're getting a, somebody you want to be a loyal servant, and and you do you 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 turn them specifically by like, look, you you got to be a Sith because you got to save your wife. 
and then then you go like, oh, I'm sorry, your wife is dead, you know. Yeah, what a what a what a what a dick move, man. This this Sith at least you know keeps, because because keeps that's what word. turns Anakin is he finds out the truth. He finds out that Palpatine tricked him, and he was just like, wait a second, <laughs> that was Palpatine's downfall. Was Anakin figured right. it out? Right. Right, and 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 this guy like this is a this is a this is a square deal, you know. It's a square deal, and uh, so so yeah, so it's and, and and he's actually able to bring her back to life. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm gonna do all my shallow notes and then save my why this is hopeful at the end. Um, so let me do all my shallow notes first. I like that we start and end visions with Kurosawa influences because yep. the duel opens with that very classic Kurosawa samurai feeling. And then this one, what the? No, I don't want to open. I don't, I don't want to update my virus cleaner now, please. I'm sorry. No, no, thanks. Please go, please go away. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and this one ends with a, a Star Wars nod to Hidden Fortress. So I, I like that we both start and end with Kurosawa influences. Um, I'm not surprised this is the same studio that did TLB1 because in a lot of ways this also feels like a fairy tale to me. And it, very- and and as its second one, it's more grounded though. It's more mm-hmm. like grounded in Star Wars visual reality. Yeah, like TLB1 felt like a story that maybe like a youngling would read in the temple. This I feels could like totally something... see it as a storybook, as a kid's yeah. storybook. And t- yeah, for TLB1, and then if that feels like something a youngling would read, and this feels like a story that like a Jedi Knight would read, you know? Yeah. Like it, it still feels very grounded in the, the storytelling yeah. thing. Um, oh, oh, excuse me. Ow, that would hurt. Yeah. That would hurt a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm always a sucker for Jedi love stories where it's forbidden because Tsubaki and Misa felt very much like Obi-Wan and Satine where there was the princess that he can't be with and they were yeah. young lovers and now they're back and so um, oh my god you guys know me I love evil ladies <laughs> so the moment I saw Masago yes, I was like I was like oh Masago you're my Hope new a Masago from Masago Oh, <laughs> I would like a Marubo from the suck. <laughs> Marubo. Oh, and, my God. And she would. That's she would, too comical to even sound creepy. Marubo. <laughs> and she could step on me, and I would say, thank you, ma'am. Stab me more. Have a, um, you got to have a hot character named Marubo in oh, one of your gross. fan fiction. No. Marubo uh, the hut. <laughs> that, that actually could be. <laughs> That would actually make a really good hut. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Masago is voiced by freaking Lorraine Toussaint. And the reason I, I knew that is because she's Shadow Weaver and the new She-Ra. And, like, the moment I heard her, I was like, fucking Shadow Weaver. Like, the best villain of She-Ra. Holy fuck. <laughs> Were you like, oh, Shadow uh, Weaver. So it was so good. It was just this character that is so just complicatedly toxic and great, but evil, but sympathetic, put put together in Star Wars. And I was like, yes. And it's just like little things like when there's one shot of her where she's silhouette in darkness, but her eyes are swirls. 
but they're mm-hmm. like hand drawn swirls and they're glowing. So they're not like clean circles. They're just like yeah. swirls. Um, and it's, and it's a cool little note, but when everything is red and she's leading Misa out, you can actually see Masago holding up her hands and moving her like a puppet master. It's a really cool little detail because it's all the way in the background, but you can actually see her like puppet mastering Misa around. It's really cool. Um, I love the blurred lightsabers in the fights. It actually reminded me of comic book panels because you'll see like a sword or something swinging and you'll see like the transparent like direction it's going in. Yeah, it was like like a storybook, like halfway bef- between illustration and animation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I loved the blurred one. All right, my big note. Yeah, <laughs> this feels like the Anakin Griff gone right. Um, because so much of this story is Zubaki being his own self-fulfilling prophecy. Just like Anakin was told that that he could save Padme when he was actually her demise. And same thing with Subaki. Um, and there's a moment where Subaki screams that nothing is predestined when they lose one of the old man men in the rainstorm. And he's like, nothing's predestined because he's so desperate to change his own destiny that's haunting him. And I, I like finding out that the title means Red Haze because that's what it feels like. Like he's becoming more and more blinded by his own self-fulfilling prophecy that he, if he just actually stepped back and like listened, it was like, I shouldn't go. <laughs> like it, it all would have been fine. Yeah. And, that's but, that, that would have been the best way to su- sidestep that. And the scene where Subaki is actually talking to his master was interesting because his master looks like fucking Palpatine from the Tartakovsky yeah. cartoons. And I liked that because it made this kind of skewered version of what happened to Anakin where his master, who looks like Palpatine in Tartakovsky's Clone Wars, is actually telling Subaki, hey, don't go. That's how you save your girlfriend. And it's, it's the story of Anakin and Padme skewed. And, and, and yeah. But the reason that this is very helpful to me, and I think that this is a much hopeful ending than Anakin and Padme, and I feel like this pulls off what Trust should have done. That Tross was trying to do this, and this did it better. And the difference is why this is hopeful. Misa uh, Misa lives. Misa lives. As long as she is still alive, there is hope for Subaki to come back to the light. Right. And that's the difference. Padme dies, and Ben dies. So that's it. That's the end. They're gone. There's no hope for either of those characters. But as long as Misa and Subaki are both still alive... There is hope for Subaki to come back to the light, which is why this is a very hopeful ending that did it better than Anakin and Padme and did it better than Trask. So far. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. And I, I love it. This would be another one that could be a good sequel. Mm-hmm. Although I don't see this as being like something like a pilot. I would see this as like maybe like three or like you could do like three or four episodes. A miniseries. Of- of this, yeah, just to and tell their story in like you know three or four parts, maybe. Yeah, so that's that's why this is actually quite the hopeful ending for me, because Misa lives and the others did not, and that's why I like it. I mean, I my my last note is every time I watch Akakiri, it gets better and better. Like the more like this is my third time watching it, and the first time I watched it, I was like, wow, what a bummer. 
And then I watched uh, Emma on Pink Milk's live stream talk about this short, and it like really changed my view of it. So I re- went back and rewatched it, and I was like, oh no, this this is actually more hopeful. And then this was my third time, and I was like, no, I love this one. <laughs> like this one is so good. <laughs> the more I watch it, the better it gets. So, um, did you have anything else for Akikiri? I do not. So. Over the course of us talking about this, um, we have come across a few questions that we wanted to look back on the entire series. And one question I wanted to talk about now that we've seen all nine of them is what are some of the running themes, some of the running items, the through items, the ideas between all nine shorts? Because remember, these studios did not work together. They did not collaborate. So they each got to do their own thing, but we started noticing themes and items and ideas pop I, up between them all. And I so what were the ones that you noticed? I think there's a high probability with this project that you're going to get a lot of the same themes because of just the nature of the beast of the two two things that you're mixing together are both so intertwined anyway, and both of them also have many common themes between the two of them and to themselves so there's a lot of mixing and matching to be done as stuff but uh definitely family <clears throat> and human you know bonds between people whether it be family or or you know and and you've got down there found family but the same same sort of thing and that mm-hmm. runs very strongly through like movies like japanese and chinese and korean movies you know is very you know like an action. I mean, it runs through all media because there there's a great joke in Amphibia where when Anne meets back with Marcy, Marcy runs over to her frog family that has been taking care of Anne, and Marcy goes, "Is this your found family?" I love the found family trope. They <laughs> use that well, joke in first, Amphibia. <laughs> when I first started watching back in college, when I first was able to get my hands on Jackie Chan movies that weren't made for America, that were you know originally you know Chinese jackie chan movies you know and and they were known for being just like super action-packed and you know amazing stunts and action sequences but they all had long like involved family drama overwrought family dramas in them and stuff you know the 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 movie like centered usually around like family some sort of family conflict so that that just seems like a natural to to I mean the dark dark and light side you know and the and the you know the distinct you know that there's the uh the, they really play up the strong like visual um differences between you know I mean I think the most the the standout example of that was in the ninth Jedi when they lit up their lightsabers and you're like oh they're evil you know mm-hmm. so and lightsabers are like that that's the one i wanted to talk about the most because like um i I have a few little ones but lightsaber is a samurai sword you know it's just like of it too like like because it is a symbol of the force and it's a symbol of the jedi and they're in some way shape or form a lightsaber in every single one of them even for someone like tatooine rhapsody where jay turns his lightsaber into a microphone that is his weapon and it and it is in same thing with like kyber crystals to a lesser extent because we see that the importance of that in in the duel with Ronan because he's collecting kyber crystals, but like the importance of the symbol of the lightsaber to a Jedi and what it means, and whether it's a microphone for Jay to like use as his weapon 
or even something bonkers like the twins, like the lightsabers duel was the important part of that. And they're like fucking light whips and like running yeah. around and slicing starter stories. Yeah, it was like, the, the visual representation of their personal drama. And then you have something like Lop and Ocho where it was a family heirloom. So like lightsabers and like representing the force and the Jedi are such an important theme across all of these. And it is in every single one of them. And it's, yeah, that, that was the one that stuck out to me the most. And I thought there was interest. I, I was interesting that like, not in all of them, but ones like Tatooine Rhapsody and The Village Bride, where it's clear how big of an impact Order 66 was to Star Wars, because several of these shorts had Jedi in hiding. And didn't even try to <laughs> like you know like they didn't even like collaborate on that but they still featured like jedi in hiding or sith hiding in disguise as jedi and um i i thought that was funny that that was a time period that P they found interesting what was the post order 66 time period of the empire and jedi and that relationship that one stuck out to me too yeah also, the, I got a bad feeling about this. You said it yeah. best. Like, that is the line of Star Wars. <laughs> it's just the line of Star Wars. And, you know, a Jedi in hiding is just a samurai, basically. A samurai is basically yeah. just a, a, a ronin. Or, or, or no, they're, they're a ronin. A ronin is a samurai without a master. It's mm -hmm. either been disgraced or lost their ma master somehow. They talked about that in the featurette for the Ninth Jedi, about how all these Sith and, and Kara and Ethan were all essentially Ronan. They, they did talk about that in the featurette. Um, uh, you wanted me to bring this up because I, when I mentioned this about the Village Bride, you were like, yes. I must come back to this. Now that we've seen all nine of them, is the Village Bride the most Oscar-worthy to you? I was, I was of the bent before we got to this episode to say yes, that it probably was. And now I'm changing it to the Village Elder, or to the Elder, I mean. Because, and, and one, a piece of information really, like I had already chosen that one, but then now it's really locked in to where its director was retiring. <laughs> He's retiring. What better person to give an Oscar to, you know, to get an Oscar under their belt. And, uh, but on top of it, it's got all the elements that the Village Bride had in it. But I just liked it better. It's got the it's got the visual storytelling. It's got the uh, the, the 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 even the music is similar. It's got the the blending of a, a traditional Star Wars orchestral score with traditional instruments and traditional music, and I think it's actually even better mixed together in this one. So I, I think, and the elder, I just, I, yeah, I like it. I, I like it better than the, the village bride. So I just, uh, I, I, I would, I would have turned in the elder. So I have a couple of thoughts on this one because I, as someone, I, I do follow like Oscar hype and Emmy hype and stuff like that. And I, I am aware of a lot of times they either watch movies by their friends, the Oscar voters, or they watch the familiar. Yes. And, and, and if we're going to think of like, if this one's going to win, we can't think of other star Wars. There's going to be other star Wars fans voting on it, but mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. there's also going to be a lot of people just voting on it on just sort of like surface Hollywood idea, you know, Oscar. I mean, the Oscars is just this weird little contest. So you have to look for little signifiers and, and like the yeah. retiring director is just like, oh, geez, this guy's old and this was the last thing he did. And now but the he's thing retiring. Is they will, not all of them will know that because not like they're going to go watch the behind the scene featurette. They're just going to show true. watch whatever DVD that shows up on their doorstep. That's true, but that DVD they send on the doorstep has a little booklet with it that tells you a little bit about each thing, and you can throw that. You can make sure you could make sure to throw that into the little description of the the elder. So, and, so here's my thoughts on it, because I think that Ninth Jedi or La Pinocho could have gave it a run for its money. I think if they wanted to go the super artsy route, they could have thrown in Akikiri. But I think Akiri is a little bit too far out there. And I think the Ninth Jedi is a little too stuffed. And Lop and Ojo... Yeah, so that's yeah, exactly right, yeah. Even though I, I do think it's the Ninth Jedi... It's too involved. Though I think the Ninth Jedi is the most is the longest, making it the most complete with the most to show. Yeah. And I think with Lop and Ocho, it's downfall is what I said about how much they like hammer in the overuse of family. Mm-hmm. So I got left with between the Elder and the Village Bride. And I feel like the Elder would have been a good run for its money because it is such classic Star Wars. It's the most familiar. The reason that I think the Village Bride is the best overall choice is it has those classic Star Wars elements, but it pushes the artsiness just a little bit more, which yeah. makes it feel like that that elevation to like mm-hmm. the artsy side of of um the the Oscar running because you you know when you watch a movie that's like yeah that's like little substance but it's clearly made to be artsy to be an Oscar running yes that's the Village Bride to me I I don't that, think it's like that but it's got more of that in it yeah that, that's where you and I it's disagree got more that it. would appeal it would has more than an appeal to somebody who's going like ooh this is fancy you know yeah yeah because because the Elder is just classic Star Wars but the Village Bride is classic star wars but elevated with like artsy fartsy things thrown in there as yes well. yes and, and that's why i feel like it's still the best choice overall but, but i think the elder is a very close second and could have been in that talk in that conversation too because it, because it has those classic star wars elements um i i didn't say this when we were talking about it i do think um and maybe it's just because i watched the english dub the english dub the opening with dan and tajan's a touch clunky only because with because of translations, there's some weird pauses where like like when when Tajin senses the disturbance in the forest, he goes, I sense a disturbance in the forest. Like there's some weird pauses in there in the dub. Just to, just to line up the Yeah, the mouth moving. The so dialogue, like the, yeah. yeah. So I feel like the the village bride is the best choice overall. Hmm. Um but the elder was a very close second. So before we get into ranking, what are your final thoughts on these three episodes for The Elder, Lapanocho, and Akakiri? Uh, the, I, I think The Elder was my favorite, with Akakiri being my second favorite, and then uh, Lapanocho being my least favorite. But why? Uh, um, Lapanocho was just a little bit too, little too talky for me. It was, a, it could have been, it could have been, um, it could have been either like pared down a little bit or or had other elements put in there to you know visual it out a little bit more i was a little bit more tell than 
I liked it a lot. It's just uh, it was I liked the other two better. The the other two, I'm the visual guy. They definitely hit me with that. Uh, the visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, with these three episodes, Visions just continues to be so strong, and these has some of my favorites among the nine. I adore the Elder, and lo- I I, do- I adore the Elder. I, it's just I love it. It sings yeah. to my my High Republic love so much. Um, Wap and Ocho just is drenched in rebels feelings for me. <laughs> like it's just drenched in rebels. And Akikiri is this like dark, mystical, cautionary tale of this like this fairy tale story of like this dark fairy tale in Star Wars. And I, I love them all. I, I mean, there, there's not a, a vision short that I, I dislike. I love them all. I think they all bring something to the table. Which brings us to our rankings, Chris. Um, Which is it's it's inter- the rankings are interesting. I like all these episodes, though. That's the yeah, thing. This is so there's not hairs. one of them that I would be like, you sh- this one shouldn't have been included or anything. There wasn't one that I didn't enjoy thoroughly. So this isn't like when we do our season recaps and we're like, what thirty minutes do we want back of our lives? <laughs> yeah, no, it was it it, it it wasn't hard to rank them really but it's just so loose you know like i could take the whole middle and end of this and just shuffle it around and it wouldn't make a big difference to me you know what i mean i will say on on this rewatch one of them jumped because akakiri used to be at the bottom for me yeah 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 jumped for me me too yes and the elder jumped a bit too but i like the elder anyway the first time but so you go first what's your ranking okay so you want me to start from the bottom or the top Okay. All right. My bottom, my number nine is the twins was the, the, my least favorite with, um, this could probably be scandalous, but my second least favorite was Lapinoco Oto. Um, then the village bride, then, uh, to, to be one, then, uh, tattooing Rhapsody sitting like pretty much right in the middle um and then up above it the duel the first episode then akakiri then the elder and then the ninth jedi sitting on the number one spot Ooh, i didn't really i I knew you liked the ninth jedi i didn't know you liked it as your favorite yeah no like story-wise i love it as a pilot and visual i love that it really pushed my my buttons for nelvana and heavy metal magazine and that like european um mobius style cartooning and story and the way it told the story the way it, it it you know set it up and set up shots i just i like it a lot mm, cool cool um i just am not over how much how low the village bride is for you <laughs> sorry I know, I know. I'm not over it. It's fine. Um, for me, my last one is also the twins. Um, and then above that is the duel. And I like the duel. It's just it did everything I expected it to do. So it wasn't like really a yeah. surprise. Um, next up in sixth place is TOB1. Because um, I, I like it. And I like the fairy tale aspect of it. Um, above that is the ninth Jedi. Sitting right in the middle. Right in the middle. Yep. Um, that's Kiri, like funny. I said, that's right. That's my favorite, and your favorite was right in the middle for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Akakiri, like I said, is the one that jumped the most. That used to be very low for me, but like on this, like I said, this is my third rewatch, and it's the one that I like more and more every time. 
So I, I, it jumped up to fourth for me. Um, third is Lop and Ocho because I just, I love those rebels feels. And then tied for second is the elder and the village bride, because I like them both equally, but I like them for completely different reasons. And, but they both hit very similar notes for me of why I love them. And my favorite is Tatooine Rhapsody. I just, it gives me just such pure joy. It makes me so happy. I love it. I love the music. I love the characters. Like that one just, I smile every time I watch it. And like, it just, it gives me the biggest smile on my face. I just, it, it just hits so many things right for me. I love Tatooine Rhapsody so much. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to be done with visions. <laughs> We're not there with candy. I hear you opening it. <laughs> um, we do have an announcement because, hey, guys, we're at the end of the year. You know what that means. It's commentary time. We're going to start commenting, folks. We're going to start commenting, folks. And Chris and I were talking about like how best to do this because we've covered all the Star Wars movies. And we talked about it and we thought it'd be fun to dive into some lucasfilm movies so we have chosen three lucasfilm movies um the one that we're doing next week is willow because neither chris or i have seen it and there is a willow tv show coming <laughs> oh, um so yeah like chris and i have never seen willow so we're gonna be doing those that one next week and then the two weeks after that we are going to do the two ewok movies which I have seen neither of, and Chris has only seen one of. So commentary month is going to be Lucasfilm month, and we're going to dive into some Lucasfilm movies. So, yeah. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. And this week, we have two feedbacks, um, and they come from Facebook. One is for our, our Resistance episode, Rebuilding the Resistance, and the other one is for our LEGO Halloween special. And they're both genes. You get to do gene uh, voices. Yeah, this first one's like la like last week. I think with I I I I think it was a gene one too, where we were like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what gene is talking about. I I, think I, we were... I I know we came up with a joke podcast, but I don't remember the context of the joke. We were probably talking about wine moms who like to listen to murder podcasts or something. Maybe was, I feel like it was something with like Vanessa or something, or maybe it was um. Maybe it was about tyranny or something, because this feels yeah. like a tyranny thing. Well, Gene says, Coming soon from Two True Freaks, Bloodbaths and Wine Moms. Honestly, that sounds like my friend Chase's podcast. They have a podcast called Fear Queers, and it's about gays who love horror movies and talking about horror movies. So go check out my friend Chase over at Fear Queers. They have a lovely podcast. <laughs> that sounds like Fear Queers to me. I wonder if they've ever done Nightmare on Elm Street too. They just started this year, so they've only done a few episodes because they just started this Halloween this Halloween season. It's, so it's that's an infamous gay subtext horror movie where the gay subtext was like totally missed <laughs> until like recently, in the last few years, and people watch that movie and were like, "Oh boy, <laughs> we did not notice this. They snuck that in." All right. Another one from Gene from the Lego Halloween special. Gene says, and he posted a picture of Peter Cushing as Frankenstein. Huh. Grand Moff Tarkin made a Frankenstein monster. Who could have predicted that? Winky face. 
Stay <laughs> thirsty, my friends. They yeah, have not right, done. I will, I will. I will. I will say. I will say your emoji out loud. They have not done um, Nightmare on Elm Street yet, but that's only because they only have like their Nightmare first episode, part two. Yeah, because they only have their first episode talking about their love of Halloween and scary movies, and then they their prep, and then they talk about Halloween Kills and Spooky Astronauts. Oh. <laughs> so they haven't got there yet, so. Candy! Crinkle, crinkle. Oh, shit, where's my, my paper with explanations? Well, why I look for my paper? Oh, there it is. Um, I think this one's from America, right? Well, we'll have to see. Because our friend Dario sends us candy from all over the world because Chris hates American Kit Kats because he's a weirdo. I need to find it. Um... It doesn't say where it's from. It just says Snickers Peanut Brownie Square. <laughs> it's from Earth. I'm thinking it's from America. It's from Earth. I'm looking at the packaging. Mine's kind of melty. Yeah, Mine's... this is made by Mars Wrigley. Yeah, mine melted and it looks a little like taffy. You know what it tastes like? A I don't know yet. I bars. It tastes like a regular Snicker bar. With little pieces of those little Debbie brownies with the nuts on top of them. Holy shit. It's not as brownie-y as I thought it was going to be. It takes a couple bites to get in the brownie. I think the brownie melted into the middle of mine. But it reminds me of those little Debbie brownies. Really thin and dense. I'm not getting any brownie. It just tastes like a Snickers to me. I mean, it's still good. There's nothing wrong with a Snickers. And I am hungry, so I should have a Snickers. Snickers, be our endorsement. Mmm. Mmm. But. No. It just tastes like a Snickers to me. Nothing really. Really exciting. Well, adding something chocolatey flavored to it, Snickers is not really changing the flavor of it too much. I it's kind of, it's different... probably kind of a textural thing, but I think since they got melted, it might not be. Maybe that's what it is, because I was expecting the brownie texture. Yeah, and, me too. And I think you're right. I think it is because it got melty. It lost that texture. So, but it was still good. Thank you so much, Daria. We love you. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't want to be done with visions. <laughs> uh, yet you are. I know. This was such a fun three weeks. Um, well, thank you guys for coming along on this Visions mini-series. This was so much fun. I hope you on enjoyed it. On our Vision this. quest. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, because I don't want it to be done. <laughs> but at last, as we finish out the year, we go into commentaries. And a little, a little heads up, because we are four episodes away from our 300th episode. Um, so... I hope this is out as I say this, um, possibly edit this out. Um, if you're listening to this now, keep a lookout on either our pretty Twitter sure, page. Pretty sure, hope this is episode 297. Or no, it is 296, you're right. Is this going to be out before our 300th episode? How many this? weeks ahead are we? Yeah, this episode. Yeah, it has to be before our 300th episode. It's 296. Well, that's, that's not what I mean. Will it be? I'm about to say... You look out for our social medias because I'm going to be asking for an ask me anything. 
So we'll, if I say that, will people have oh, enough time? Oh, there... it'll this this is going to be up like roughly a month before our. So yeah, you may you may have been asking them before this, but the uh, you might as well ask now. So be on the lookout for our social media pages because I'm going to put it in the Two True Freaks Facebook page and I'm going to put it on our Twitter. Because Chris and I have discussed it, we are four episodes away from our 300th episode. So if you are hearing this right now, we are about to record our 300th episode. So go to our social medias right now because we are doing a Star Wars Ask Us Anything. So you can ask me and Chris any Star Wars questions and we have to answer them. And so we're going to be gathering those together for our 300th episodes and answering them on our podcast. That will be our 300th episode. So it's those questions should be up now because we should be just about ready to record our 300th episode. Because remember, we and do I'll record this, in advance. I'll say this. I will answer three personal questions. Oh! Any personal questions, but I don't get to filter them. You have to send them to Hope. And she gets to pick out Ooh. three, three of three personal questions for me from yours. I am writing. I will use hope as my buffer from anything too horrible, but at the same time, uh, it also might be the way to get something really horrible in there too. So it sounds it sounds uh, exciting to do. So I I'll throw that putting, in there too if anybody dares. I am putting that here right now to that I I just made a note of that. It is now in our notes. Uh, oh my I'm goodness. I'm an open book. Three personal questions. Oh, wow. Holy cow. Open book. <laughs> I might write all three questions. That's okay. That like I I will answer any questions, but like I just want people to know Careful what's your birthday what's your social security where's your address <laughs> oh yeah no not that kind not, not anything not anything that's gonna get me killed arrested or uh my bank account drained yes i live at 555 candy cane lane <laughs> so yes that is our plan for our 300th episode which will be actually if we've counted and done our calendar math right will be our very first episode of 2022 Ooh. i know so well I don't have anything else for visions to you. No. So my only other thing for visions is you're wrong. The village bride is great. <laughs> I didn't say it wasn't great. I just said it's, I didn't think it was the greatest of all of them. That's all. <laughs> all right, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website full of podcasts. Jolly, jolly, happy podcasts. All of nerd, all big, happy nerd podcasts. Um, you can sign up for our feeds there. You can sign up for individual podcasts or you can sign up for the whole feed and get everything. If you're a crazy man like Gene Hendricks and, uh, we are also on Facebook, the, the burning, the, the, the Hindenburging Facebook. Uh, we are on the two true freaks podcast page where we post up all our episodes and talk about stuff like that. And the two true freaks cantina which is more of like sort of a forum to hang around in. And we are also on Twitter. And our Twitter is run by the ever-intrepid Gene Gene, the reverb machine. Do, 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 Gene! There's some reverb on that. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I was, you don't have to do your own reverb. We got technology for that. Do, 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 do. 
Jeez. But that's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me at Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinax, and there's a little link tree, and you can see all my shit there. Um, I also am a writer for The Geeky Waffle. Um, you can read my reviews over on The Geeky Waffle, and I am occasionally on Space Waffles, as I said, so I've been on a few Space Waffles episodes recently. And my website, geekgirlexpanse.com, and we have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. Oh my goodness, Chris, we're doing Willow next week. I'm actually really excited because I I think it's Patrick Gilmore that's been wanting us to do Willow for like three years now. I have had people just after me for not seeing Willow since the 80s, so. <laughs> I'm excited, especially like knowing there's a TV show coming. And I think that the TV show, I believe, stars Warwick, uh, Warwick Davis as well. Well, I, I think this, I, I've, I've heard Willow is very good, but it's flawed. But it was one of those things that if you saw it in the 80s, you know, it was, you know, you just wor- liked it warts and all. And, and it's one of those things that just becomes a beloved thing. So I, it's going to be very interesting to, as us as jaded adults watching it. Or I'll, I'll speak for myself on the jaded adults part, but um, or at least the jaded parts. You're, you're definitely an adult. So. It- he is starring in, in the TV show, which I'm not surprised. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, he's still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm. It's, it's one of those things I've always wanted to watch, but I've, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's going to be nice. I'm looking forward to it because I love Ron Howard movies. I like George Lucas stuff in fantasy mm-hmm. movies and '80s movies. So. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. So, come back next week, and we're gonna do Willow! Yay! Oh, yeah, and uh, and you're gonna be getting some Wilford Brimley. Oh. Bye, everybody! I need a refresher (laughs) course. I don't remember who that is, but okay. Diabetes! Diabetes. Oh! Get the dose of diabetes on Endor. <laughs> Space diabetes. I'm gonna get diabetes favor. Don't eat the. Car. Don't eat that fruit, kids. You'll get space diabetes. All right, you guys, come back next week for Willow. Bye. Diabetes. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks?
If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Have you been, Lord, friend my son? Oh, make my bed soon, for I'm weary from hunting. Hey!